Welcome to this episode of Syracuse Speaks, The View from the AHL, a Syracuse Crunch-centric podcast for Raw Charge. I'm your host, Alex Ackerman, and let's get started. Okay, so right off the bat, we are going to go with a new segment this month, trying to keep things fresh and fun, despite not having too much good news to share about what's going on on the ice. And this new segment is called Spilling the Tea with the Permanently Exhausted Pigeon. I have no idea, full disclosure, if spilling the tea is even still a thing. I am old and don't pay much attention to those kinds of things. I'm sure if one of my students were here, they would be more than happy to tell me about whether this was still a thing or not, or if I'm even using it correctly. But to be honest, permanently exhausted pigeons don't necessarily care about these kinds of things. We just want to get a podcast recorded. Also, in the interest of full disclosure, what is in my glass is not tea. So I'll let you use your imagination as to what is actually in my glass. And on that topic, why not? Send me a couple tweets. What do you think was in my glass tonight? Let's get started. Yes, hockey. We're here to talk hockey. So I've been collecting a lot of opinions over these past couple of weeks. And these are actual opinions that fans of the team have shared with me. And basically, dear listener, you and I are just going to have a little bit of a conversation about these opinions. Maybe you agree with me, maybe you don't. Maybe my little echo chamber that tends to gather around me on social media and at the hockey games is completely off base. And you have absolutely no idea of how we're coming to these conclusions and you completely disagree with our perspective. I want to hear from you. Please get a hold of me on Twitter at Alovimo, A-L-L-O-V-I-M-O. Come talk to me at the games. That never fails to both thrill me and freak me out just a little tiny bit. Let me know your thoughts on these opinions that I've gathered. And starting tonight, we're going to cover three of the most major ones that I think are affecting the fan base right now heading into the month of February. The trade deadline is at the end of this month. The AHL as a league is starting to gear up for its playoff primer. Things are getting serious now. And the Crunch's window to save this season is closing rapidly. So in my opinion, in the opinion of those that I have talked to over the past couple of weeks, these are the most major issues that Syracuse is facing as we start to head into that playoff push time of year. Issue number one, I have heard this from a couple of people, that this team has no heart. This one's difficult because I think that heart as a concept in hockey means different things to different people. I am going to put my own spin on this simply because it's my prerogative. This is my podcast. I think what people mean when they say that this team has no heart is that they are not playing for the right reasons. When I watch this team on the ice, as opposed to when I sneak glances at what the opposition is doing on a nightly basis, I don't see this team playing for each other. I don't see this team playing for the fans. And I don't see this team playing for anything other than their own careers. I don't mean everybody. I don't think that everybody on the team has this problem. 
I think that we do have individuals like Cameron Gauntz and Scott Wedgwood who show their dedication to the team, to the fans, to wanting to win at this level because it's good for their career and because it's good for their development and because this is where you are right now. The problem is that I don't think that the majority of the team is focused on those things. When I watch teams like Belleville, whose entire bench all game long is into every hit, every goal, every opposition's goal, every little thing that happens on the ice, that entire team is on their feet constantly. They are cheering for each other. They are visibly excited for each other. I don't see that coming from our bench all the time. I don't see that coming from our bench for certain players. When I see guys like the backup goalie for Providence this past weekend, who lived and died with every goal for Providence and every goal against for Syracuse, he was up on his feet constantly, up like a jack-in-the-box all game long as he followed the action on the ice. I don't see that happening with our backup goalies. When I watch Rochester's entire staff that hangs out behind the backup goalie practically throw a championship party with every single goal Rochester scores whenever Rochester is in the War Memorial, I don't see that happening with our guys. I, I just I don't see it happening. I am not convinced that this team from top to bottom is truly playing for each other. I am not convinced that this team top to bottom is playing for the fans. And I am not convinced that this team top to bottom is playing to make it in this league. I think that we have a lot of guys to bastardize a Herb Brooks quote who think that the name on the back is a hell of a lot more important than the name on the front. That doesn't fly in this sport and it sure as hell doesn't fly in this league. I think that that is going to need to change. And I'm not sure if there's time to truly revamp all of that. You know, again, the usual disclaimer here. I have no more idea of what's going on in that locker room than you all do. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I don't know who is hanging out with who on a regular basis. I don't know the group outings that have happened. There hasn't been a lot of coverage on this stuff this season. What I see in this team right now is what we have seen as a fan base in previous seasons when our team had players that did not like each other on the roster. I can think of 11-12, 2011-2012, where we know that we had factions we had players who lived in different parts of the city. Nobody really did anything with players who lived in other parts of the city. And we saw that discombobulation on the ice. We saw that disconnection on the ice. I'm seeing a lot of that this season, and so is a lot of other people. Maybe it's the lack of leadership of varying nationalities. Last year, we had a French-Canadian captain who maybe was able to kind of pull some of the French-Canadians into some of the other members of the team that aren't. I have no idea what exactly is happening. 
But I also think that part of the reason why it is difficult for the fan base to see the heart of this team is that the fan base doesn't really know this team. You know, I think that we all look back to 2016-17. We had that lip sync series, which in all honesty, I think has kind of been both a blessing and a curse because that lip sync series allowed us to see the heart of the team. We saw what these guys are like off of the ice. We saw some of their personalities and we fell in love with that team because we saw all of that. We saw them interacting with each other. We saw them having fun with each other. We saw them goofing off with each other. It was amazing and it allowed us to cheer for that team even more passionately. This season, and really in seasons prior, although this season especially has seemed kind of dry in that area, has not given us that many chances to get to know these guys. And when things are tough, as they are right now, it's really hard to stay optimistic and keep cheering for a group of guys that you don't really feel like you know, that you have really no reason to cheer for. I know I'm not the only one who is struggling to stay engaged during games, especially when the team isn't playing well. This team isn't making us want to cheer for them because we don't really know them very well. I think that all of this kind of rolls into this idea that the fan base feels like this team doesn't have a lot of heart. And I don't think it's a singular issue. I think it's a multifaceted issue. But I do find it interesting that these are the observations that I'm hearing. And again, please let me know if you think I am entirely off base or if you think the people that are saying this to me are completely crazy. I want to get different perspectives on this. So we have this team. We don't really know them. We don't think that they have a lot of heart. They're not showing us a lot on the ice. You can't fire the whole team. What do you do? Opinion number two, Coach Ben Grew has lost the locker room. I am seeing this everywhere. I am seeing it on Twitter. I assume I would be seeing it in the Syracuse.com comment section if I was actually going over there. I have no incentive to at this certain time, so I am not. But I would assume I am seeing it over there. I am hearing it said in the hallways of the War Memorial. I am hearing it said to me. And in all honesty, this is a tough topic to handle because Coach Grew has done so much for this team and so much for his fan base since he came here in 2016-17. He took that team that probably had no business making it as far as they did all the way to the finals for the second time in organizational history. He took two more teams after that, teams who had a rough start, he helped them turn it around, that, that those teams got themselves into the playoffs. It's been a really good road with Coach Grew. But there are coaches in hockey. I think that we can all agree that Torts, perhaps, is one of them. That are great coaches, fine people, but who eventually wear out their welcome with their players. They exhaust their players until the players no longer listen to them. And again, I have absolutely no idea of what's going on behind closed doors. However, I think we have reached this point with Coach Grew. 
I don't see the players being receptive to his methods. I don't see the players being receptive to his coaching. I don't see that he's on the same page at, as his players. A couple weeks ago, somebody on Twitter pointed out to me that it appeared as though Coach Grew was preventing players from coming out for the three stars. And they witnessed him calling them back into the locker room and not allowing them to go out and receive that recognition, assumably because he felt they didn't deserve it. That's not his call to make. I don't care who you are. You could be Jesus. You don't get to say that a player doesn't go out to get their recognition, especially since they get fined if they do not go out there for those three stars. So I sure as hell hope that he paid their fine because that's not okay. It is not up to him to take that reward away from a grown adult. It's just not. And if that's part of his methods, that's not okay. I can tell you right now that that wouldn't be okay with the 10-year-olds that I teach on a daily basis, and it is not okay with 20-some-odd-year-old men who, despite the win or the loss, played a game that the media felt was worthy of recognition in the league that they play. I honestly think that there is a disconnection between Coach Grew and his players, and whether the veterans have helped or hindered that, I really don't know. I'm not sure when this disconnection started. Maybe, who knows, maybe it started last season. Maybe this has something to do with the crunch falling out of the playoffs as they did so unexpectedly against Cleveland last season. I don't know, but I'm not liking what I'm seeing. And I honestly think that there is a definite disconnection between the coaching staff and his players. I really do. I don't know anything about our assistant coaches. I haven't been too impressed with the goaltending this season, but God knows that might not be the new goalie coach's fault. And let's be honest, he he himself could be Jesus, and I still wouldn't like him because he nobody can follow up Carl in my mind. So, you know, I don't really want to go into that because I don't feel like we have enough data to go off of since they're new this season. And if there already are problems between the existing coaching staff and the players, new coaches aren't going to be able to fix that. That's not going to be something that they're going to be able to do anything with. So it's not really fair to talk to their performance. But I do think that a change needs to be made, either in his methods, in the way that he operates with his players, in the way that the veterans are backing him up or not backing him up, or just in our coach. I think that we have reached that point where if it doesn't happen this season, which I don't know if the Lightning would be willing to make that kind of a change mid-season like this, and honestly, I'm sure it would depend on who was out there. Maybe something will happen, maybe it won't, but honestly, I am not the only one feeling that it's time. Finally, the biggest question of them all. Is this team a playoff team? You can probably guess based on everything I just said that I don't think that they are. I really don't. You know, I think back to 2012, 2013, and it was 
probably right about this time, if not a little bit later, when Mike Angelidis, who was captain at the time, was quoted in the media as saying, yeah, we're good, but we're not a playoff team yet. We're not ready yet. We still have things we need to fix. That has stuck with me all this time because that kind of attitude, that team was pretty much the best we had seen in Syracuse up until the last couple of seasons. That team got us into the Calder Cup Finals for the first time in our organizational history. That team got us our first Eastern Conference Championship for the first time in organizational history. So to hear that a couple months before the playoffs started, the captain was quoted as saying, we're not ready yet. We still have a lot of work ahead of us. Even though at that point in time, they were pretty much solidly in the playoffs, that there really wasn't much that was going to knock them out. That impressed me, and that has stayed with me. This team, not only are they currently not in the playoffs, they're out of position, not by much. The North Division is not that competitive this season, which Syracuse should probably be thankful for. So they're not that much out of the playoffs, but they're out of the playoffs right now. This team has so much longer to go than that team did. So if that team wasn't ready for the playoffs, this team, they have no chance. And I'm not saying that as a definitive. I'm just saying that in comparison to those two teams, they're, they're not even swimming in the same ocean, let alone in the same lake at this point in time. They have a long way to go. I'm not going to say that it's impossible because this team has taught me over the seasons that nothing is totally impossible. I am sure that we will start seeing the Moses clips being brought out during games for the first time in a while. We have not had to drag Moses out from his hiding spot praying for some kind of a miracle during the final drags of the season in a long time. It has been a very long time. This team is going to need a miracle. And if they do make the playoffs, it is going to be very surprising if they make it out of the first round. I just don't think that the consistency and the right makeup is there this season. And that's really too bad because it should have been. And I, I say that with the intonation of a question because, you know, best laid plans and all. Chris Mueller bombed out in December and asked for a trade. The goaltending Syracuse has been peppered with unexpected injuries. Obviously, that has disrupted the flow that we thought was going to be there from the start of the season. So hindsight is 2020, best laid plans, whatever. But I do think that this roster has talent. I'm not going to sit here and say that they don't. Every single player on this team, maybe with the exception of Spencer Martin, but again, hindsight is 2020, deserves to play in the AHL and can play in the AHL. And I think that Spencer Martin can handle AHL play. I just don't think that he should be leaned on as much as we've had to recently. But again, best laid plans. These guys have talent, but they're missing some key ingredients to a sustainable playoff run that I am not sure can be found and put together 
in enough time to save the season. Going into the start of February, Syracuse is facing a pretty busy month. Granted, most months in the AHL are fairly on the busy side anyways, so I suppose this is no different, but for a month that is generally very short on days in comparison to other months, it just kind of looks really busy looking at the schedule ahead. As expected, the Crunch has a very North Division-heavy schedule. There are a handful of games outside of the division venturing against the Atlantic. We just finished a game versus Providence this past weekend, where the Crunch was embarrassed at home with a final score of 6-2. Syracuse is, as has been our tradition lately, playing away this evening as I record this podcast. They are in Bridgeport which is another Atlantic Division team. Looking on further down the month, on Saturday, February 22nd, the Crunch plays Lehigh Valley. On Sunday, February 23rd, at the end of a 3-3 that weekend, they play Springfield. And on Friday, February 28th, Wilkes-Barre Scranton comes into town. And as far as opposition outside of the North Division, that will wrap it up for the month. So the rest of the month, we see games versus the usual suspects. We have Rochester, we have Utica, Binghamton, Belleville, and we even get to see Cleveland come back into town. So it's a pretty normal slate of teams. The Crunch is home pretty much every single weekend except for the one coming up. So that's really nice for the home crowd. Winter break here in New York State is coming up in two weeks from now. Week and a half half from now. So the kids will be off, and there's a couple of games going on that week that families can take their kids to. So it'll be a busy month for Syracuse. Looking at where the crunch has to go. Oh, God. I just looked at the standings for the first time since... The last time I looked, I guess, and Syracuse is officially in the basement of the North Division. The Crunch has fallen to 8th place with 46 points. Up at top is a team I just spent quite a bit of time talking about, Belleville, with 62. So good for them. Rochester is in 2nd. Utica is 3rd. Laval is 4th. Toronto 5th. Binghamton 6th. Cleveland 7th. And then Syracuse is eighth. Now, the good news, if you're looking for silver linings here, which I think we can all use at this point in time, is that Laval, who is in fourth place right now, only has four more points than the Crunch does. So only four points separate Syracuse from being completely out of the playoffs and in the basement of the division and being in the last playoff spot in the North. It's great news. If you're looking to climb any further than fourth, things get a little bit harder. Utica is 10 points ahead of us in third. Rochester is 12 points, and then there's Belleville. So thankfully, unlike previous years recently, the North Division is not very competitive this season. 
everybody kind of is struggling around the same time. Although right now looking at, you know, previous 10 games, the crunch is pretty much only in competition with Toronto when it comes to who had a worse previous 10. Nevertheless, overall, the North is not as competitive this season. However, Syracuse has to get it together, and there's really no other way to put it. More and more, I think we're all starting to feel like this is not our year. I think it's something that maybe the fans need to start coming to terms with just to kind of avoid a really big letdown. Who knows? Syracuse could go on one of its patented winning streaks. You know, I remember a couple years ago when, a couple years ago, it was almost 10 now, when the Norfolk Admirals, it was the Super Bowl party where they all got together and they said, hey, losing sucks. Let's get it together and play some hockey. And they went on that streak and they took that streak all the way into the Calder Cup championship round and they won. It's doable. I remember a couple years ago, again, I say a couple and I mean 2008, which is not a couple, but the crunch was in a similar position right about this time. They said, hey, we're tired of losing. And they went on a 15-game winning streak, and they ended up taking that winning streak into the second round of the playoffs. There were differences between those two teams. The 2007-2008 Syracuse Crunch, if it was lacking anything, I suppose we could say it was lacking talent because it had heart to fill the War Memorial, the on center next to it, and a couple of buildings around it left over. That team loved playing hockey together. They loved the fans, and the fans loved them. As I just discussed, we can't really say that about this current team. So it's going to be interesting to see where this goes over the next two and a half months or so, which is really all we have to the season. Looking forward to the Crunch's home schedule, there's a couple of theme nights coming up this month that I just wanted to touch on before we sign off for the evening. And the first one is coming up next Friday on Valentine's Day, February 14th. The Crunch is at home versus the Utica Comets. And Syracuse has decided that that is going to be the night that they are celebrating the 40th anniversary of the Miracle on Ice game, which was played in Lake Placid during the 1980 Olympics. Team USA won against Russia, which, of course, at the time was considered to be a statement game that represented much more than hockey, and then they would go on to win the gold medal against Finland. The team is celebrating in a couple of different ways. Defenseman Ken Morrow, who played on that team, is going to be at the Crunch game. And there's a couple of different VIP packages that you can look up, whether you're just a regular fan or you're a season ticket holder. And the kind of draw for me of the evening is that Syracuse will be wearing replica jerseys in the style of the white jerseys that Team USA won during their game against Soviet Russia. And you have no idea how hard it was for me to say that without a stupid fake Russian accent. With the letter styling on the front, instead of saying USA, it'll say SYR for Syracuse. I'm very much looking forward to seeing these jerseys in action. The promo shots look amazing, and I won't lie when I say that I have been saving money and not buying any other jerseys because I really want to get my hands on one of these. 
this game in particular, even though I was not alive for it, since I started watching hockey and, you know, the movie that came out certainly helped. I've kind of fallen in love with the whole story. So this is really cool that they are doing this. In addition to that game, fans of the Crunch have another game that they will want to be keeping an out for. On February 22nd, the Crunch is going to have their Pride Night. And I find it interesting that it is no longer the You Can Play Night. It is Pride Night. I'm not quite sure why we are no longer apparently partnering with You Can Play. But anyways, that night, Syracuse will be wearing pride jerseys, which are going to feature a rainbow crunch logo and rainbow stripes on the shoulders, around the arms, and along the bottom of the sweater. And the numbers are also going to have a rainbow print outlined with black. During warm-ups, the team will use pride tape on their sticks. Uh, the crunch just released this, which is why it sounded like I was reading from a press release, because I was. So it's exciting to see this happening in light of certain things that have happened this season with a player in particular, I very much hope that this is not just another label to slap on a night that really kind of means nothing to the players. I hope that education is truly a part of this evening for our organization because there were comments made to me from fans about what was suspected to have been said by Daniel Walcott and how it's just locker room talk. It's just the way guys speak to each other. It's just this. It's just that. It's not. And I think that education about hate speech and how those kinds of negative labels in relation to people and things that people cannot change are really harmful to the psyche of your teammates, of, to your fans, to your friends, to your family members. So I'm very much looking forward to that night as well. The jersey design sounds amazing, and I can't wait to see it out there. I am very excited to see that particular night happen. I'd like to thank Eddie for the royalty-free track, Pure Adrenaline, our intro music, and Springtide for their track, We Are Heading Into the East, our segment music. As always, thanks so much for listening, and feel free to send me any questions, comment, or feedback, either at my Twitter, at Alovimo, A-L-L-O-V-I-M-O, or over on Raw Charge. See you next time.